Hi everyone, welcome to our weekly sermon from New Life Community. In this week's message, I will be answering the question, Who am I? Let's go ahead and jump right in. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Right? talked about that last week. God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his son, his one and only son. God so loved you and me. God so loved me. Remember, remember last week, those of you that were here? God so loved me. Oh. It's only been a week. God so loved me. He gave Jesus to die for me. God so loved me that he gave Jesus for me. God so loves you that he gave Jesus for you. That's so awesome, isn't it? So powerful. And I said last week, the greatest lie, the greatest lie the enemy uses against us, against people is that we are unlovable that we are not loved we will never be loved that love has to be earned that love has limits that love doesn't last God so loves me that he gave Jesus and he doesn't ever stop loving you it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter where you go God's love goes there and he never stops following you I love the songs that we sang this morning because they just solidified that truth that God never stops pursuing us. And he doesn't pursue us because he just wants us to like be a part of some movement. He pursues us because he loves us and he wants to restore us. He wants to bring us back into right relationship with him because when we're in right relationship with him, everything is better. Everything is made right in relationship with Jesus. And so it's not just about a movement. It's not just about having some things. It's, it's love because love changes everything. we got to keep getting that deep, deep down. We need to know that. And man, the enemy knows that if he can get us off of that, then he, he just gets to do the kind of nonsense that he did last night. When we start to believe that we're not loved, then it takes us into doing things and treating people in ways that we shouldn't, and it messes up. It just creates walls and barriers. It, it creates, you know, just crazy, right? We speak things, we say things, we do things that then don't communicate love, and it just destroys it just destroys foundations of everything around us. Jeremiah 31.3, and we just need to keep getting this down. God tells us, God told them in Jeremiah 31.3, I've never quit loving you, and I never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Jeremiah 31.3. God told them, God wants to continually remind us, I've never quit loving you, and I never will. I've never quit loving you, and I never will. Never quit loving you, and I never will. Somebody came to me before this morning during breakfast and said, hey, can you pray for my brother? 
He just went upstate again. God, God will follow Brandon upstate. God's love doesn't stop because Brandon made another stupid and is now back in prison. God's love will follow him and will continue to, God will continue to pursue him. So pray for Brandon. I don't know Brandon, but pray for Brandon because he's part of our connected New Life family. And God's love is going to re- relentlessly pursue him I love team sports. Most of you will know that. You know that because what's my favorite sport? Hockey, right? Which is always a hockey, always a team sport. It's hard to play hockey by yourself. I've tried when I didn't have anyone else around, you know, out in the, uh, out in the, the yard or on the ice rink. Uh, but it's a whole lot more fun when there's other people, not just skating around, shooting a puck in a net. It's a team sport, and actually, uh, Eugene, uh, who's one of, our, one of our new family members here at New Life, he came in last week, and I, I heard him say, hey, Coach Brown, and I was like, who is here that knows me as Coach Brown, and then I saw Eugene, I was like, this is awesome, because uh, Eugene was, is a part of Carlisle Sports, and he knew me when I was coaching hockey for, for Carlisle High School. I love team sports, you know, and I played, I played soccer, I played hockey, I played volleyball, you know, intramurals. I grew up in a little tiny school, uh, elementary school, kindergarten through grade eight, and, um, and so there was only like 110 of us in the whole school, and so like we all played together, and, and so any intramurals, like it was grades four through eight, and to get enough people to really have two teams, and so it was all about team sports, and I love team sports. Love, love, love them. There, there is the, part, the extrovert in me that loves like, being a part of playing with other people and the encouragement and the, you know, just the spontaneity of it. But there is one aspect of team sports that I absolutely hate. The picking of teams. Why? Because I was the short chubby kid and when we lined up and the captains were chosen the only time I ever liked it is when I got to be the captain but how often does the short chubby kid get to be the captain not very often unless the teachers were a part of it then they felt sorry for some of us and they would make us the team captain and then you felt like you were getting the job not because of you know, who you were, but because somebody felt sorry for you. And you'd line up, and the team captains would go over there, and they would go through that stinking line, and it would be, yep, 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 yep. You see that commercial with Charles Barkley and the kids in the playground, and, uh, and Charles, you know, is chosen first, and he looks down at the little kid, and he's like, ha, oh, I knew I would be picked first. Yeah, that brings back trauma every time I watch it. I won't use names because we're online, but I could name some of the giants that were in my class who got picked first. And I'm not resentful at all. (laughs) But I hated it. Hated that standing there. You know, I was good. I, I wasn't the star. I was really good at all of those sports. I was an amazing soccer, soccer goaltender. 
You know, I wanted to be a goalie in hockey all my life. And so I was really good at some positions. And, and overall, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the star. But I had really good mental, you know, prowess when it came to sports. And so I wasn't the best, but I wasn't, you know, the worst. And, and I just hated that. You know, I wasn't the star. I wasn't the stud. I wasn't the stallion, whatever word you want to use. Um, but I, I wanted to play, and I hated being the last one chosen. Hated it. And so any time when I became a youth pastor, any time we had to pick teams, guess what? We never lined up and picked. It was either I had already cut little pieces of paper and everybody got to pick a piece of paper and it puts you on a team, or, you know, straws or something, but we never, ever lined up because... Because, again, I never wanted any kid to feel like they were getting picked last because they were less than or not, not as good. You know, so it wasn't just because I know some of you are like sports. Um, so it was, it was the dances, too. You know, and when I was growing up, we had 7th and 8th grade dances at the YMCA. Hated them. Loved them. Hated them. Why do you think I hated them? Because I would sit over with a couple of my friends in the corner listening to the music, but there was never, if I would go ask, and I'm not going to use names because they might eventually come on Facebook, if I would go ask her to dance, I would get the eyes, like, uh, do I have to, you know, or I would never dance with you. Same deal, right? Hated that. Hated it, hated it, hated it, because I was never the one that would be chosen to dance with. Because even those of us that weren't the most beautiful or most put together, we wouldn't choose to dance together because then everybody would look at us and point and say, oh, at least they got together. See how it works? These mind games, right? The more you and I experience not being chosen, the harder it is to believe that you're wanted. Did you hear me? The more you and I experience not being chosen, the harder it is to believe that you're wanted. What happens in this circus or cycle, if you want a, 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 a better word, in this cycle of, of not being picked or not being wanted, not being chosen, what starts to happen is then there's a drive to prove everyone wrong. Right? So, so part of my drive was I want to make any other team that didn't pick me, I want to prove that they should have. And so I would, I would perform and work and strive to make sure our team would win to just stick it to the other person. I've shared this story, but when I was, uh, when I was 12, I had... Uh, been in leg braces for the first six years, kindergarten through grade six, and crutches, and I, I couldn't do much at all. I was disabled. And, um, and when I got out of those, I started playing hockey. Long story short, the team that I was put on by the minor hockey league, uh, the coach didn't want me because I was completely a brand new skater, brand new goalie and went out of his way to make sure it was known that he didn't want me. Twelve years old, like, are you kidding me? 
But another one of the coaches, and I've told this story before, he took me. And, and in my mind, my goal was to make sure that coach paid, and I know it was in my dad's thinking too, that that coach realized the mistake he made. And, and we did. We went on, and, and that team that I ended up on, we won the championship. And I still remember that. You know, and so we work harder to prove that we should have been. You know, we go out of the way to make sure the girl that wouldn't dance with me realized she missed out on something special. Come grade 11, the chubby went away. You know, I started working out, and, and I, I became a very different person, not inside, but on the outside. But there was still this nagging part that was like, yeah, bet you wished you hadn't treated me like that now. And whether they thought that or not, I have no idea. But again, the more experience we have of not being chosen, the harder it is to believe that we're wanted. And part of the, the problem is this pattern then that develops of having to perform, having to strive, how do I need to perform in order to be accepted, to be chosen? What do I have to offer in order to be chosen? What do I need to bring to the table to be chosen? And whether we know it or not, we're constantly playing these, these things in our head. And if we don't believe that we're chosen, then what's going to happen is we're going to feel rejection, right? We're going to feel forgotten, and then that creates another whole mess because that leaves us prey for the enemy and the enemy's lies. Satan, he knows these things and then uses them to his advantage. And I love Paul as he's writing to the church in Colossians. And we're going we're gonna to be in Colossians a little bit this morning. So if you want to grab a Bible or your phone and you can go to Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to spend a little bit of time. But Paul reminds the, these people in Colossae some really important truths. In verse 12 of Colossians 3, Paul says, Therefore, he says a whole bunch of things that we're going to look at, but then he says, Because of all this, therefore, as God's chosen people, he's reaffirming, you are God's chosen. It doesn't me matter that right now you're feeling, you know, beat up, you're being persecuted. That's reality, but the ultimate reality is that as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. As God's chosen people. That's the truth. That's the ultimate truth. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I love how, how it's written there. But you are a chosen people. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light called you out of darkness. That's God's heart. And it is such a struggle to believe that we're chosen, isn't it? Such a struggle to believe that we're chosen. 
Not because of what we've done or how we perform. We're chosen because God just loves us. The reality is, is I can't perform enough. I can't right the ship enough if I were to try and measure whether I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for God, whether I've proven myself. There's no way to do it. And there's no need to because he chooses me, not because of what I've done or how I perform. He chooses me just because he loves me. He created me. I love Sharon Simmons in, uh, in the book that we're walking through and and uh, if you haven't got a copy, you want a copy, they're available at the information table after service. But in this book, Who Am I?, she says this, In God's economy, which is very different than the world, in God's economy, being chosen is based on what God wants to give us, not on what we have to offer Him. That's so good. God's economy, being chosen, is based on what God wants to give us, not on what we have to offer him. It does away with competition. Because for so long, my struggle, right, in, in not feeling chosen, not feeling wanted, is that, well, I got to put myself ahead of who? All of you. All of you. The deal is, is I got to get chosen ahead of somebody so I feel good about myself. So as long as Gerald's behind me, I'm going to feel better. Because at least I was chosen before Gerald. Or at least I was chosen before Ted. Or at least I was chosen before Vanessa. And it creates this competition, and it can happen in our relationship with God even. That if I just do enough, I'll, I'll, I'll come out ahead of Denise. I'll come out ahead of Mark. I'm going to come out ahead of Bonnie. If I do more than Bonnie, I'm going to come ahead of Bonnie. Both of them. Because I really want to be ahead of both of them. See, see this cycle, right? It's ugly. And it's lonely, and it's isolating, and it's... Ugh. The truth is that we were chosen. So this, this series is all on who am I? We're asking the question, who am I? Last week, you are loved. Today, you are chosen. Every single one of you. I want to all come and grab your cheeks. I want, I want to come right up to all of you and grab your cheeks, look you in the eye and say, you are chosen. And, and try and cut through the enemy's lies. Because that's what God's doing this morning. And, and I hope you receive it this morning. God... The Father is grabbing you by the cheeks this morning, and he is saying, you are chosen. Period. Not because of what you've done, not because of what you're doing, not because of, just because. You're his. He created you. He loves you. You are chosen. Okay, you ready? I am chosen. I'm chosen. No, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. No, I'm chosen. I am chosen. You are chosen. 
You're chosen for intimacy. What does that mean? So now I'm chosen to do something. No. You're chosen to be in relationship with God. God chose you because he wants to be in relationship with you. You're chosen for intimacy. You can read more about it in, in this week's, and, and there's some questions. If you've got the book, there are some reflection questions and everything. But the reality is, Paul, again, let's go to Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses, three verses. Paul says this to the church, and, he, and this is God speaking to you this morning. Since then, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You are chosen for intimacy. You are chosen to be in relationship with God. God wants to be in relationship with you. God is choosing to be in relationship with you. God's not requiring it. He wants it. God's not saying, you need to be or. He's saying, I want it because. Because I choose you. I love you. You know what? You're also chosen for holiness. What does that mean? God wants to set you and me apart. He's got a different plan. He's got a different way. He's got a different set of promises. Like it's, the world has a way and a promise and a plan, and the enemy, but it's all destruction and death, and God says, no, I've got a plan for you, I've got a purpose for you, and part of that is I've chosen you to be holy, I've chosen you to change your life. Tyler, can I share what you said this morning? I loved it. You know, we're, we're, we're driving by, and Tyler said, you know, we, you know, we were talking about hearing the police or something, and Tyler, Tyler said uh, as he was standing out somewhere and the police went by, well, they're not coming for me. I love it. And, and then he said, the more important thing is he said, and, and my life, I'm not, that's no more. They're never coming for me again. You know, that's, that's because Tyler has, it, God's chosen Tyler. And, and, and there's so many of us that, that we, we could, I could just share the story, right? We're all walking in this same place. We've been chosen and God is setting us apart and he wants to do a new thing in our heart. He wants to do a new thing. He wants to set you apart from this world. He doesn't want you to fall into the traps and the vices. He wants to set you up. He wants to set you apart, but he wants to set you up for victory. That's, that's part of being chosen. God wants to choose you to set you up for victory. Man, the enemy sets you up for failure, right? All these lies, it's all about a setup. God wants to set you up for victory. Look at Colossians again, chapter, starting at verse 5. Verses 5 through 11. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming. See, it's the separate. But now, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed 
in knowledge of the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in us and is in all. Whew, that's a mouthful. You've been chosen to be set apart for holiness, part of God's family. And it looks different than the world. And so we got to do this. We got we to get rid of all this junk so that, that we're set apart. We got to keep working on our stuff. We got to keep stepping through the steps. We got to keep, you know, digging deeper to see what's there that God wants to transform and heal and change. None of us have arrived yet, right? This is the kind of stuff, when we're talking about being chosen, this, this is where racism starts to get eliminated. Because when I understand everybody's chosen, I don't start looking around and saying, well, I am, but you're not. Or we start making judgments. This is, this is literally where racism, the heart of it, starts to get broken. Because we see we're set apart. Paul said, here there is no Gentile, Jew, circumcised. Christ is for all. Amen? Chosen for holiness. Chosen to be set apart. You've been chosen to be different. And the third, third thing this morning I want to just share is that you've been chosen for ministry. You've been chosen for ministry. Not just chosen to like be here, but you've been chosen to be a part of what God wants to do here in this world. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. Bumps, bruises, short, chubby. We're all chosen. God doesn't pick the best. He picks all of us. And he says, I got a place for you in the kingdom. I got a ministry for you. I got something for you. Every single one of us. One of the best parts of yesterday morning's bike ride was the ministry that happened from some of our younger folks to me. I loved it. It was the best thing. The ride with Josiah and Isaiah and Gianna and, and, and just to be talking about anything and everything. And there was, we just rode and talked and back and forth and tried to keep up with Tyler. And, you know, it was, it was awesome. We, all of us in the group, it was just this beautiful time of just, and God uses in ministry all of us. And we don't even know sometimes when, but he wants to use us. And part of it is choosing one another so that we tangibly experience the chosenness of God. Do you understand that? Choosing one another so that we tangibly experience the chosenness of God. Because I could say that God chooses us, and it's hard to feel that sometimes. But when one of us comes to one or another of us and chooses to minister, whether it's encouragement or help or blessing, all of a sudden I start to feel chosen. I start to experience God's chosenness through the ministry of someone who's chosen. Isn't that good? Brings another whole level to just being encouragers. Philippians says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
if every any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and co- if you have any of these things, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I want to encourage you this week. Choose intimacy with God. Choose to be set apart. And then choose to be an encourager. When we don't believe that we are chosen, we compete. And we perpetuate the lies that we've talked about this morning of rejection, forgottenness, earning our salvation and our freedom and all this junk. I want to encourage you, read Colossians chapter 3 this week. Sit in it. Colossians chapter 3. Read it every day. You are chosen. Squeeze your cheeks in the mirror in the morning before you brush your teeth. I'm chosen. Say, oh, that's goofy. Yeah, it is goofy, but you know what? The enemy is going out of his way to grab your cheeks and say, you are not chosen. You are forgotten. You are rejected. And we need to war against him. God, thank you for this beautiful time this morning. Thank you for your your incredible truth. It says we are chosen, all of us. God, help us get into our minds wherever we're at this morning. We're coming from a lot of different places. We're coming from a a lot of different places of hurt and woundedness. God, we're coming with all kinds of experiences of rejection and being forgotten, whether it's from family situations, whether it's from friends, whether it's through, you know, experiences in the world and workplace. God, you know the damage that's been done. But you also, you also, your, your, your word, your voice, it, it's like a bomb that just explodes all of the, the, the nasty lies. And so come, Holy Spirit, and speak the truth really loudly that we are chosen. Who are we? We're chosen. Who am I? I'm chosen. I'm chosen for intimacy. I'm chosen for holiness. I'm chosen to be different. I'm chosen for ministry. And do a, do a greater work in us and through us this week, God. Thank you for each one that's here. And Lord, I just, oh, my pastor's heart just wishes I could be in, in the eardrum of every person, every moment, and just say these things. You're chosen, you're chosen, you're chosen. And so you, you'll do a far better job, Holy Spirit. So I just, I release you. Please, I ask you to please be loud this week in overcoming this lie of rejection and forgottenness. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Ron, come and close us. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. I want to encourage you to head to newlifecommunity.us and click on the Connect tab for all of your next steps. I'd also love to encourage you to share with us any of the ways that we can be praying on that Connect card as well. 
Until next time, take care, everyone.